gentlemen, in the red corner, hailing from the state of Nevada, representing the steam and wise guys, it's the always feared Vegas Odds Maker! And in the blue corner, the crowd favorite from South Florida, Mark Winning Picks Lawrence! And now, let's get it on! Against the Spread Winning with Mark Welcome back, everybody. This is Mark Lawrence along with Victor King for a special edition of our NCAA Sweet 16 show here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. And, Victor, it's nice to hop on board between seasons, between football season from one year to the next, with our NCAA Sweet 16 tournament special show on tap for our viewers. It sure is, Mark. You know, when last we spoke, we were in the beginnings of the college football bowl season. In terms of our uh, wrap-up or review, uh, the bowls were good to us, the NFL playoffs. Our King Creole service went 9-4 and four in the bowl games. We did hit of our five-star bowl game of the year on the Alamo Bowl over the total TCU versus Oregon. We followed it up going 6-2 and two in the NFL playoffs, and that included the five-star playoff game of the year. Cardinals-Panthers over the total. Uh, you were on the Denver Broncos in the Super Bowl. Nice finish there. But we're here to talk about basketball, and I'm thrilled that we got this little uh, bonus podcast as we head into the Sweet 16 round and, of course, the Elite 8 round uh, on the weekend. And for that, we can thank our good friends at Commercial Recording Studios in Cleveland, Ohio, for bringing this special podcast your way for the NCAA basketball terms as we cover games from the Sweet 16 round all the way through the final championship game on Monday, April 4th. And just a quick note here that Victor and I will return for our first football podcast the first week of September when the football season kicks off then, the 2016 season, the first week of September, Victor and I back with the Mark Lawrence Against the Spread football podcast. Meanwhile, it's time for the NCAA Tournament Review. And, Victor, thus far, any surprises you've seen in the first two weeks, or I should say the first two rounds last week of the NCAA basketball tournament games, other than the fact that we got 15 of the 16 teams that made it to the Sweet 16 from Power 5 conferences? Well, representative of the Power 5 conferences, and uh, on a side note, uh, in terms of the big games, it looks like Mark had a good uh, opening weekend. You had that uh, beautiful four-star opening round game of the year, best bet on Friday on Middle Tennessee State. The Blue Raiders pulled off the upset of the first four days of the tournament, beating Michigan State outright, a big-time shocker that destroyed a heck of a lot of brackets out there. Great call on Middle Tennessee State. And then you follow that right up with the in the weekend, with your five-star NCAA Tournament Game of the Year winner on Miami of Florida, also an outright underdog winner against Wichita State. So a really nice start in the big games. And, Mark, I hope you had a lot of ACC teams in your bracket <laughs> because uh, the boys from the ACC went a perfect 12-0. and All six teams won both of their games over the weekend. They turned a decent profit as well, going 7-5 and against the spread. So I would think that uh, while this is, of course, the best conference in all of college basketball, seeing them pull off a perfect 2-0 sweep for all six teams was a little bit su surprising for the ACC. The Big Ten did pretty good. They went 8-4 and four, uh, overall. The Big 12, 6-4. The Big East Conference, 5-3. and three. And, of course, these numbers are all straight up. We're talking about wins here. The Pac-12 was a little bit overrated, and in fact, I know that uh, some of our uh, friends and the odds makers in the gambling world and out in Las Vegas were a little surprised that the tournament committee had so much love for the Pac-12 conference. A lot of the odds makers weren't buying it. The Pac-12 teams were underdogs in their games, and they went 3-6 and six over the opening weekend, so not surprising there. They were probably ranked a little bit higher than they should have, these Pac-12 teams, and, of course, the SEC teams, to wrap up the power conferences, went 3-1 and one overall. So uh, you got to feel good if you're an ACC fan. You probably got to feel a little bit vindicated if you went against the Pac-12 love by the tournament committee. I've got the numbers in terms of the favorites, dog record, and over-unders as well. It was pretty much split down the middle the first four days of the tournament, Mark. Favorites went 27-25. and 25. It was actually the larger favorites that did a little bit better. Double-digit favorites went 9-5 and five against the spread 
in the opening four days. Single-digit favorites, slightly under 500 at 18 and 20. Over-unders were basically split down the middle as well, Mark, 25 and 23 overall. The first two days started off really, really good if you were an over-player, 19 and 13 over-under in the first two days of the tournament. But once we got into the weekend, there were a few more unders and overs, six overs, 10 unders. So there is your wrap-up in terms of uh, favorites, dogs, overs, and unders. And again, a really nice call there with the Miami of Florida, the Hurricanes. I appreciate that, Victor. Thank you. The Hurricanes did play well for us. We have a good handle or a good feel, if you will, on Jim Laranega's basketball team this year being here down here in South Florida. And we feel they're a real contender to make it to the Final Four. We'll talk a little bit about that a little bit more in depth a little later on in the show here after we visit with our good friend Andy Isco, who's going to join us from Las Vegas to find out the Vegas vibe and what's going on as we enter Sweet 16 weekend. One of the uh, mainstays that I do when we talk about Sweet 16 games is I analyze the teams that made it to the Sweet 16 round and look at the teams that have played the best offensively and the best defensively. And of the 16 teams that enter this weekend, the number one offense throughout all these basketball teams is surprisingly that from Texas A&M with Iowa State just one point fewer point score than A&M, but A&M did need the benefit of that double overtime victory, that stunning overtime victory over Northern Iowa to average the most total points scored in the tournament thus far. The best defense of all the teams played thus far in the tournament has been that from Syracuse, the Orangemen, allowing just 101 total points. That's 50.5 points per game in the tournament thus far. They're playing by far heads and shoulders the best defense, and the weakest defense so far from the teams in the tournament is the same Texas A&M Aggie team that brings the best offense. So sometimes you talk about teams that bring the best offense and the weakest defense. Sometimes they into themselves have the potential making of going over a total, but uh, we, we will find high totals in basketball games like that. So Victor and I are going to break down here the first Sweet 16 round games being played, a highlight game on Thursday and a highlight game on Friday. And from an over-under perspective and a side point of view, two featured games, and the first we're going to kick it off with, or tip it off with, I should say Thursday, is when Texas A&M takes on Oklahoma. The Aggies, you mentioned, perhaps playing with house money right now after that dramatic victory over Northern Iowa when they trailed by 12 points with 34 seconds to remain. They somehow won the basketball game and found their way to the Sweet 16 round. Victor, your take on the Aggies and the Sooners on Thursday. Definitely a surprise that the only SEC team left in the tournament is Texas A&M, of course, uh, an ex-PEC Big 12 team who now has been playing in the SEC conference for a few years. So you got to feel pretty good if you're from the state of Texas with Texas A&M. A slight underdog in this game against Oklahoma, two to two and a half point underdog. The over-under line opened at 145. It's gone up a full point to 146, and that is as of uh, Wednesday morning when we are, of course, recording the podcast. A&M 28-8 straight up on the year, 15-13-3 against the spread. Oklahoma 27-7 on the year, 12-20 against the spread. Now, when we see a team that's uh, won close to 30 games on the season, yet they've only covered about 12 games at basically tells us that uh, Oklahoma has won games this year in which they did not cover the point spread. And in fact, uh, Oklahoma, the last time they actually covered a basketball game was a month ago. They've gone 0-7 ATS in their last seven games. They're on a 2-11 ATS run. So they are struggling to cover a game. I'm not saying they're struggling to win because... They're where they're at. They're, they've made it to the Sweet 16, but they have not been a very profitable team at all over the last month of play. In terms of over-under results, Texas A&M, both of these teams, slight under teams on this season. The Aggies, 14-17 and 17 over-under. They went 6-13 and 13 in the regular season, so they were a 65% under team in the regular season. Now, they've reversed things a little bit here in the SEC tournament and the NCAA tournament. They've gone 4-1 and one in their last five games, uh, average 4.8 points per game on the plus side. You do got to put an asterisk, however, next to these Texas A&M overs that have occurred in the last couple of weeks, because as you just mentioned, two of those games 
were overtime games that went over the total. So a very solid under team in the regular season, the Aggies at 6-13. and 13. Again, they have turned things around a little bit, going 4-1 and one in the SEC tournament and their first two games of the NCAA tournament. Oklahoma on the uh, flip side, 15-17 and 17 over under on the season. Another team that was a reliable under team in the regular season play, they went 7-12 and 12 over under. However, this is uh, something that we we talk about Oklahoma being a streaky team from an ATS perspective, Mark. They're a streaky team from an over-under perspective as well. In their last 10 games, and we're talking about regular season and Big 12 tournament. I'm not talking about the NCAA tournament. Their last 10 games, regular season of Big 12 play and in the Big 12 tournament, they went a perfect 0-10 over-under. Improved defense. A little bit shaky offense, but again, heading into the NCAA tournament, the Sooners were on a 0-10 and over-under run. Zero overs, 10 unders. Now, they did go 2-0 and to the over in their first two games of the big dance, but another uh, streaky team, that would be the Oklahoma Sooners, not just from an ATS perspective, but uh, definitely from an over-under perspective as well. Now, of course, these two teams used to be buddies or combatants from the uh, Big 12 Conference. We've got some series history, and the series history has been pretty underwhelming. These two teams, in their last 14 meetings, when they were playing each other as members of the Big 12 Conference, went 3-11 and 11 over under. 0-3 in their last three meetings to the under, and that's, of course, all prior to Texas A&M moving to the SEC. So from a series history perspective, this has been a pretty low-scoring series. As I mentioned, the over-under line currently at 146, Mark. In terms of offensive efficiency, two pretty good offensive teams. Texas A&M, number 32 in the country in offensive efficiency, while Oklahoma is number 14. What's even more impressive is that both teams are very good from a defensive efficiency standpoint. Texas A&M, the 12th best defense, and Oklahoma, the 18th best defense, Right now, uh, with the line move, moving upward, Mark, I'm uh, playing a little bit of a waiting game here, but I think this line is going to go get up in the 147 to 148 range. And if it does get that high, we'll call the cutoff number 148. I think we've got a pretty good case to make on this game going under the total based on some of those very, very good defensive numbers. Both teams ranked in the top 40 in a defensive field goal percentage on the season. Texas A&M does have the worst free throw shooting percentage of any team left in the Sweet 16 at less than 68% on the air. I think there's going to be value in this game going under the total. That's the way I'm leaning right now. Let's uh, hope the over-under line goes up another point or two so there would be some significant value on the Aggies and Sooners going under the total in their Thursday Sweet 16 game. Victor King looking for that 148 total to go under the total in the Texas A&M-Oklahoma showdown game Thursday in the Sweet 16 tournament matchup. Also taking a look here at the side of this particular basketball game, and a lot of these stats I'm going to run by you guys come directly from the Playbook Sweet 16 tournament guide, which is available now online at playbook.com. The tournament guide will take you all the way through the Sweet 16 games through the NCAA championship game. It's one of the best downloads you'll make for a basketball information source throughout the rest of the basketball tournament. That's the Playbook Sweet 16 tournament guide. You can get it online now at playbook.com. And as I mentioned here, Texas A&M comes in playing literally with house money because they won a basketball game that for all intents and purposes, they should not have won. But to their credit, they did when they knocked off Northern Iowa in double overtime to get here. Texas A&M comes into this contest in NCAA tournament games, 7-2-1 to the spread when they take on sub-840 opponents, which Oklahoma fits that bill. And their head coach, Bill Kennedy, he's a former head coach at Murray State. He had great success with the racers at Murray State and the Ohio Valley Conference did Bill Kennedy. He's come over to A&M and done a terrific job with this program. He brings a 4-2 and two straight up in ATS career mark in NCAA tourney games, including a perfect 4-0 of the spread when he's not off a double-digit point spread win. On the flip side, looking at the Oklahoma Sooners coming in here, Victor mentioned about this long, lengthy history these teams have had 
when they were combatants together in the Big 12 Conference here. They're just 2-6 and six to the spread the last eight games inside this series. Oklahoma is also what we highlight inside the Sweet 16 Tournament Guide, one of our Sweet 16 returnees. These are teams that go back to the Sweet 16 round two consecutive years in a row. You'd be surprised at what you'll find from these basketball teams. One of the stats we found is from the smart box inside the Sweet 16 Guide tells us that Sweet 16 returnees that are coming back here are just 10 and 22 to the spread when they come in here with a 790 or better win percentage and they're off a single digit victory. That's the role for Oklahoma here, a bad role for a Sweet 16 returnee coming back to the Sweet 16 round. We also note that Sweet 16 favorites that are off back-to-back point spread losses, Oklahoma the only team of the 16 teams that have failed to beat the spread in either of their first two games in this tournament, they're just 1-6-1 and one to the spread taking on a 750 or better opponent. That's the role here against Oklahoma in this Texas A&M basketball game. And I'm going to wrap up my summary on this contest here, going back to, again, the Sweet 16 Tournament Guide, where we highlight round-by-round action of the teams in the Sweet 16 Elite 8 Final Four and Championship games. Inside our Sweet 16 round notes, we note in the Tournament Guide that Southeast Conference teams in this round are 7-1 to the spread. On the flip side, Teams from the Big 12 Conference in the Sweet 16 round are 0-6 to the spread. So you've got a conversion of best versus worst here. I'll play the points with Texas A&M against what I feel is a struggling Oklahoma basketball team for my side in this contest. And with that, Victor, let's switch it over now to Friday in the Sweet 16 tournament round. A big basketball game will take place when the Indiana Hoosiers take on the North Carolina Tar Heels in a pedigree, college basketball pedigree to the max, when the Hoosiers take on the Tar Heels Friday in NCAA Sweet 16 action. Victor, your take on the Indiana-North Carolina showdown. This should be a great game. This is the late game on Friday in Philadelphia. And we're talking two extremely good offenses here. The over-under line open at 158.5. It's gone up a full point and a half mark. It's currently at 160 as we record the podcast. And that is by far the highest over-under line in the Sweet 16 round by about, uh, oh, about seven points. It is the higher highest over-under line. And again, I'm not surprised by that line. This is one of only two games in this round of the tournament in which both teams are ranked in the top six in the country in offensive efficiency. Iowa State, excuse me, uh, Indiana number eight in offensive efficiency, and North Carolina number five. So you would expect a high over-under line, and yes, we got it. But the one thing about a line this high is both teams have got to be hitting their shots for this game to go over the total. It can't be a case where one team is blowing out the other. It can't be the case where one team's shooting well and the other team is not. In terms of over-under numbers on the year, neither team was a great over-team. North Carolina went 18-18 and 18 over-under on the season. They went 7-11 and 11 to the under in conference play. They started off the season, the ACC season, by going over the total in their first four conference games. But after that, thanks to some very, very good defense on the part of North Carolina, they went 3-11 and 11 in their final 14 games of the ACC regular season, thanks to some uh, tremendous defensive improvement. They went 1-2 and two over-under in the ACC tournament. They went 1-1 one and one in their first two uh, big dance games. They went over the total by just two points in their first game, under the total by just one point in their second game. So in the NCAA tournament thus far, the linesmakers have done a really, really good job with North Carolina over-under lines. They've been within two points of the lines in both games. Now, Carolina's only relatively weak areas are perimeter shooting, defending the three-point line, and also the frequency in getting to the foul line. They don't get to the foul line a lot. And that was, again, one of those reasons why they had so many unders in the uh, oh second half of the regular season of ACC play. In their first two NCAA tournament games, Carolina's made only 11 of 35 three-point field goals. And they've been outshot and outscored from the foul line. For this game to go over the total, they're going to need to hit those three-point shots. Uh, that is for sure. On the flip side, we've got the Indiana Hoosiers. Uh, and uh, a couple of months ago, some teams perhaps writing off the, the Hoosiers. That was a huge mistake. They can score with anyone. Uh, they play with a uh, passion on the offensive end. And they're 
a pretty underrated defensive team as well. Indiana went 16-18 and 18 over-under on the season. Like Carolina, they had more unders and overs in conference play, going 8-11 and 11 over-under. They went 0-1 and one in their one-and-out in the Big Ten tournament, meaning uh, their one game went under the total. And like North Carolina, they had one over and one under thus far in the NCAA tournament. Their first game went over by 24 points. Their second game went under by 17 points. In their last 13 games overall, Indiana has gone 5-8 and eight over under. I mentioned uh, two very good teams in terms of offensive efficiency. Indiana number 8, North Carolina number 5. In terms of defensive efficiency, Indiana ranked number 54 in the nation, while North Carolina number 10. North Carolina is one of only three teams that's ranked in the top 10 in both offensive and defensive efficiency. In terms of uh, NCAA tournament results, Indiana, of course, as you mentioned, is a mainstay in the NCAA tournament. There was a brief period in 2008 to 2011 when they did not make the big dance. But after that three-year absence, uh, they've averaged 144 points per game in their last nine tournament games since 2012. That's, again, 144 points. It's about 15 points less than the current over in their line of 160. On the flip side, North Carolina, 148.0 combined points per game in the NCAA tournament over the last five seasons. That's 13 games. If anything, right now there's value in this game. Under the total, folks, the current line of 160, and I can only see the line going up very, very slightly. I'm going to lean under in this game based on North Carolina's great defense, the fact that Indiana has been playing good defense in the second half of the season and in the NCAA tournament thus far. Again, with the highest over-under line in the Sweet 16 round, I do think there's a little bit of value on this game to go under the total. Remember, Mark, for an over, both teams got to be hitting their shots, got to be hitting their threes, got to be getting to the free throw line and sinking those free throws with zero time running off the clock. And I don't see all of that happening. So, again, I think there's some value in this game under the total in Philadelphia on Friday night. Victor leans under the total, 160 in the Indiana-North Carolina basketball matchup. The deeper we go in the NCAA tournament, the more likely we're to see better defenses, and that could occur in this game between the Hoosiers and the Tar Heels in this basketball matchup on Friday. Taking a look at the side in this particular basketball game here, Indiana comes in with the top-scoring team in the nation of all the Sweet 16 teams, averaging 82.5 points per game. They're also the best offensive field goal percentage shooting team, canning 50.5% of their shots are the Hoosiers here. This is a Tom Crean team basketball team. When Tom Crean's been in the NCAA basketball tournament, he doesn't get a lot of notoriety, but he's been very successful. Give him his due. He's 6-3 and three to the spread against number 7 or higher seeds in this tournament, taking on a number 1 seed here in North Carolina in this matchup here. And then head-to-head conference matchups between the Big Ten and the ACC. The Big Ten has held the upper hand in Sweet 16 games, going 9-2 and two straight up and 8-3 and three against the spread. On the flip side, North Carolina comes in here as the top team in the nation in assists per game and also the top team in the nation in rebound margin. They're getting it done statistically, both delivering the basketball and cleaning the glass are the Tar Heels from North Carolina. The bad news for them, however, sweet 16 favorites of five or more points are just three and seven to the spread the last 10 times they made it in that particular role. And also going back to the mention of our smart box, Involving the Sweet 16 return ease, North Carolina is another team that's returning to the Sweet 16 for the second straight season in a row. These Sweet 16 returnees that are favored by six or less points are just 15 and 30 to the spread in this particular role coming into this contest here. And I'm going to allude once again to the Playbook Sweet 16 tournament guide for a best and the worst matchup here out of our Sweet 16 guide, which you can get online at playbook.com. When Big Ten teams come into the Sweet 16 round and they're dogs of six or fewer points, they're seven and one to the spread. On the flip side, ACC favorites of five or more points are just three and seven to the spread. I think this is an unsung Indiana basketball team that doesn't get a lot of credit. They are the Big Ten champions. They won the regular season Big Ten portion of the basketball 
season this year in the Big, Tw- Big Ten Conference here and still do not get the respect that I think they deserve here. I think North Carolina is looking to uh, blow or in, uh, blow up along the way here, and I think it'll happen against the likes of an Indiana basketball team that's experienced and has a terrific point guard to lead the way. I'll play the points with Indiana for my side in this basketball contest on Friday. You're tuned in to Mark Lawrence Against the Spread, our special edition for the NCAA Tournament Sweet 16 podcast. Victor King and I, we're going to hop out to Las Vegas in just a moment or two. But before we get there, Victor, taking a quick look forward here to the Elite Eight round on Friday. We're doing this podcast on Wednesday, obviously, ahead of the Sweet 16 games and perhaps projecting a little bit into the Elite Eight round. What do you see as possible, either matchups or anything that you might find that might be a little bit of an edge for our listeners out there to take forward in the Elite Eight round with? I definitely have some thoughts here in the Elite Eight round, the round that will take place this weekend, Saturday and Sunday. And we can even get out the crystal ball and do a little uh, bit of projecting in terms of the final four as well, Mark. You mentioned the playbook Sweet 16 tourney guide. You know, for the longest time, our last basketball newsletter of the season was our March Madness Tournament Guide, this special expanded double issue. It was like 16 pages long. But about three or four years ago, we expanded our basketball newsletter by three final issues. One of those was, hey, let's come out with a playbook basketball newsletter after the smoke clears and the first two rounds of play. We've got a day or two to uh, do the stats, to type it up for Charles to put it all together. And that's the NCAA Sweet 16 Tournament Supplement or Tournament Guide that has now, I believe this is the fourth season that we've released this newsletter. It's definitely required reading if you're going to be watching or playing the Sweet 16 games or the Elite 8 round games or even next weekend's Final Four games. So you can you know get the playbook.com. It's available in the Playbook Store. It's eight pages, again, chock full of information. This is a relatively new thing for us at Playbook. I believe this is the fourth season, but uh, definitely want to get your hands on one of those uh, copies of the Sweet 16 Tourney Guide. And, of course, uh, once this is over, we'll still have two more all-NBA issues of the Playbook Basketball Newsletter. So it used to be, uh, you know, this used to be a time when we had our last basketball newsletter and We would start doing all of our work for the football yearbook magazine. But, heck, we got a few more issues of the Playbook Basketball Newsletter as we also get psyched for the NBA playoffs. Now, Mark, you mentioned the Elite Eight round. Here's what I think would be a cool matchup if both North Carolina and Notre Dame won their games. If that would be the case, it would only be fitting that we have some sort of regional final of two teams from the same conference. And this would be the case. It would be an all-ACC Regional final if North Carolina wins, if Notre Dame wins, and I think it would be a pretty cool rematch. Of course, you know, uh, Notre Dame got their ass kicked in the SEC Conference Tournament. They lost 74-48 to to North Carolina, yet they beat the Tar Heels in the regular season 80-76. to That would be a cool uh, regional final game if North Carolina and Notre Dame could f- uh, somehow hook up against each other over the weekend. Also in the Elite Eight round, these weekend games, you want to pinpoint your plays on teams who won as an underdog in the Sweet 16 round. Take a look at the teams on Thursday and Friday that pull off the outright upset. Those are fantastic play-on teams in the Elite Eight round. Elite Eight teams who are playing off an underdog win have gone 10-3-1 ATS in the last six seasons. And so you want to take a look at some of those teams that are pulling off the upset on the Thursday-Friday games. Another uh, great Elite Eight uh, ATS pattern that we want to look at, and again, this is courtesy of this week's Sweet 16 Tournament Guide, is Elite Eight teams who are a perfect 3-0 against the spread. If there's any Elite Eight teams who cover the spread in round one, cover the spread in round two, and cover the spread in round three, we want to look to play on those teams as well, as they've gone a perfect 7-0-1 ATS. Now, right now, there are one, two, three, four, five, seven teams who have gone a perfect 2-0 ATS in the NCAA tournament thus far that are playing in this week's uh, Sweet 16 round. Those seven teams are Kansas, Villanova, 
Wisconsin, who's a dog, Indiana, who's a dog, Iowa State, who's a dog, and Gonzaga plus Syracuse, who are playing each other. So again, any of these teams, if they win and win against the spread in their Thursday-Friday games, these are potentially very good play-on teams in the Elite Eight round over the weekend. That's my Elite Eight thoughts, Mark. I got to talk about the Final Four real quick from from an over-under perspective. Uh, I'm sure that you'll have something to add to these Elite Eight teams, but in the Final Four in the championship game, Folks, we always want to look to go under the total. You know, Mark touched on a very good topic. The deeper we get into the tournament, the tighter those rims get, the more tired the shooter's legs get, and the more of a tendency for the games to go under the total. Not just because of that as well, but I've talked about this a couple of times over the last three or four years. Basketball games played in a football stadium we always look to go under the total. The final four this year is at NRG Stadium in Houston, Texas, the home of the Houston Texans, the NFL football team. And again, we always look to play more unders than overs at football stadiums. And it makes sense. You've got an unfamiliarity for both teams. You have poor sight lines. You have an elevated court. You have a poor depth perception for the shooters. Now, unfortunately, in this Elite Eight round, and in the Sweet 16 round, all the games are being played in true basketball arenas. So the only chance we have of going under in a football stadium will be the Final Four. And Mark, I would not be surprised that if at least two out of the three Final Four and Championship games go under the total. The Final Four and the Championship games have averaged 126.4 combined points per game. In the last uh, six years, these games have gone 4-14 and 14 over under. Again, the final four games and the championship game. Four overs, 14 unders. In the championship game alone, in the last six seasons, there's only been one over. And there's been five unders. And these games have gone under by 11 points per game. Last year, it was Wisconsin and Duke. Over-under line was 139.5. The game went under by 8.5. Two years ago, Kentucky versus Connecticut, over-under line was 135. The game went under by 21 points. So again, folks, once we get to that final four round, the game's being played in the football stadium, you'd be prudent to play all three of those games under the total, and there'd be a very, very good chance that we hit two out of three or better, Mark. And there you go, my thoughts on the final four and unders in the final four. Excellent points from Victor King looking forward ahead to the Elite Eight Final Four and Championship Rounds where defense begins to prevail. Victor points out an excellent point when we do make it to the Final Four Championship Games with the games being played in a stadium rather than a basketball arena. Remember that when you get into the Final Four and Championship Rounds. Compliments of Victor King from King Creole Sports. My take on the Elite Eight and Final Four round games all come from the Sweet 16 Tournament Guide. There's some great stats and facts when we're looking at the Elite Eight round games, particularly number one seeds when they're favored by more than seven points, just one and nine to the spread. And you just might find a Kansas or perhaps maybe a Virginia, but more likely a Kansas as a number one seed laying more than seven points in an Elite Eight round. Keep that in mind, there's one and nine to the spread. Elite eight-round basketball games involving number four and number five seeds. These two seeds, number four and number five, combined in the Elite Eight round are an amazing 18 and three against the spread when they make it to the Elite Eight round. Pencil down Duke, Iowa State as number four seeds. Maryland and Indiana, your number five seeds, should they make it to the Elite Eight round. And look at those numbers, 18 and 3 combined. Big 12 teams, uh, the Big 12 Conference, have struggled mightily in the Elite Eight round, going 0 and 11 to the spread. That would not be so fortuitous for the likes of Kansas, Oklahoma, or Iowa State, should they arrive to the Elite Eight round as well. And we're also talking about final four matchups from the NCAA Sweet 16 Tournament Guide. What we can point out from the guide is the fact that ACC teams have fared the best in final four rounds of late of conferences, going 6-1 and one to the spread, whereas Big East teams have really struggled going just 1-5 and five to the spread. And when we finally make it to the championship game, we're taking a look at Big East teams faring the best of all the conferences in championship games. Perfect 5-0 and oh to the spread are Big East teams. Number one seeds, by the way, 
in championship games are 8-3 to the spread. Once again, all this information you can glean, we have, from the NCAA Sweet 16 Tournament Guide, available now for download at playbook.com. Before I hop out to Las Vegas to join with our good friend Andy Isco, I want to remind our listeners out there that... I'm having a rock-solid basketball tournament here right now. We're offering a $69 four-day Sweet 16 Elite Eight weekend of winners. It'll include my NCAA Tournament Underdog Game of the Year. You can get all four days for just $69 complete. All you need to do to sign up is log on at playbook.com or give our office a call toll-free at 1-800-321-7777. And while you're online at playbook.com, also check out Victor King, King Creole Sports, and everything he has to offer in the NCAA basketball tournament as well. And with that, let's hop out to Las Vegas now and join with our good friend Andy Isco from Las Vegas. Andy has been a regular contributor to our show here this past season here with all sorts of great insight from Las Vegas to find out what's going on in the world of the NCAA tournament. Andy Isco, how's everything going for you from football to the NCAA basketball tournament? It's been a nice transition going from the gridiron to the uh, hardwood. And, of course, uh, we had no better four days in Las Vegas than the last uh, four days of last weekend with the uh, opening rounds of the uh, NCAA tournament, where if you were here in Las Vegas, especially the way a number of those games ended, I'm speaking specifically last Friday night, there's no place I think you'd want to be, even, even over being at the games themselves. Andy, I was jumping out of my chair, my easy chair, watching those games at home in my family room. I can only imagine the scene in the sports books in Las Vegas. It had to be absolute bedlam to find out, uh, just to see those games, the way they evolved and the way the, the finishes to the games were. I don't know if I'm over-embellishing this or is, is, is the fact that, indeed, we've seen as many or more fantastic final finishes this year as we can in memory going past. I think what made this tournament great, if you go back to the late uh, 1980s and the early 1990s, were all the buzzer beaters and the fact that they would occur minutes within one another. We hadn't had that for the last few years. And then finally, last uh, well, we started with last Thursday with the Arkansas Little Rock upset of Purdue and the uh, Michigan State being upset by Middle Tennessee. And then you go to those finishes on Friday night in the St. Joe Cincinnati game, which came just moments after Northern Iowa launched that half-court shot to defeat Texas. And that's what uh, spurred this tournament on to be uh, the popular event that it's become, not just from a gambling perspective, it's always been popular from that perspective, but just from a general popular culture perspective. It's now something, and in fact, a lot of the sports books directors uh, have mentioned this over the past week or so, is that when you do your annual planning for big events for casinos to sponsor, uh, these four days of March Madness are now right there, up there with the Super Bowl as far as trying to put on big events and creating an atmosphere uh, conducive to uh, uh, capacity crowds at your at your properties. We're visiting with Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com. You can check out all of what Andy has to offer with his excellent newsletter, The Logical Approach. You can check it all out online at TheLogicalApproach.com. And Andy, as we approach the Sweet 16 weekend with the Elite 8 round coming up uh, this weekend as well, what are the thoughts in Vegas right now about the teams that have arrived here right now? We mentioned at the beginning of the show that 15 of the 16 teams come from Power 5 conferences, which means there's a lot of teams that these the fans can easily relate to. These are teams that they followed uh, closely throughout the basketball season here. What do you anticipate? Do you, uh, is it the chalk that you think will uh, command most of the action or the underdogs moving forward? I think generally it's going to be very, very chalky as far as the betting action is concerned. It's reflected at a lot of the future book odds that have been revived after the Sweet Six teams uh, were determined. If you go back and you take a look at the composition, as you point out, you mentioned 15 of the 16 from Power uh, Five conferences or Power conferences. Six of the teams are from the ACC. You've got another three from the Big Ten and another three from the Big 12. So they're right there. 12 of the 16 teams, 75%, come from a total of three conferences. And uh, to a certain extent, that's been the history of the tournament going back over a number of years where you like the Cinderella's and the upsets. But once you get past the first weekend and certainly once you get past the Sweet 16 into the Elite Eight, for the most part, and there, of course, are exceptions, which gives the tournament its charm. For the most part, you're going to see the familiar names up there. And, for example, if you look at the future book odds over at the Westgate, Kansas and North Carolina uh, are the current co-favorites to win it all at 3-1. to one. Kansas open 
opened up at nine to two before uh, any games were played. North Carolina was at five to one, so they've been uh, the uh, heavy favorites coming into this weekend uh, with the revised odds. Virginia at five to one and Villanova at seven to one. Those four are the uh, top four teams to win it all. And in fact, in a couple of the regions, you actually have uh, favorites uh, where you have to lay money. In fact, North Carolina is a three to two favorite to win the East. Uh, Kansas eleven to ten to win the South. And actually, I'll go back and then say there's a third team. Virginia is six to five uh, to win the uh, uh, to win the Midwest region. The only region in which you've got a uh, favorite where you actually get paid plus money is in the West, where Oregon is the two to one favorite. And of course, the West, the only region that has sent the top four seeds into the uh, Sweet Sixteen. So it's uh, the familiar names at the top, a very well balanced field, and I think even a number of these games on Thursday and Friday with very competitive point spreads tell you that we don't know who's going to ultimately emerge because you can make cases for both teams in virtually every contest. Andy, before I hand it over to Victor, I know he's got a question he wants to run by you on the special edition uh, Sweet 16 show here today. Uh, Are they offering in Vegas... Uh, the opportunity to bet a conference. In other words, we know there are six teams from the ACC conference, three teams from the Big Ten. Can a person walk up to a uh, to a counter in Vegas and want to buy a ticket on the on a Big Ten conference team to win the championship or an ACC team? Do they do they offer that, or is it just strictly individually teams that you can bet on? I don't believe I've seen any from uh, the Sweet 16 going forward, but prior to the start of the tournament, a number of properties, in fact, several properties went back, oh, about a month or a month and a half, where they had odds on, will the ultimate champion come from the ACC? Will the ultimate champion come from the Big 12? Prior to the last week's start of the tournament, uh, the Westgate had a couple of pages of proposition. How many total wins would the seven ACC teams have? How many wins would uh, the two teams from the Missouri Valley have? Would there be a 15 seed to knock off a two seed? Would there be a 14 seed that would knock off a three seed? Would there be a 13 to knock off a 12, uh, knock off a, a four? And in fact, uh, as I recall, the 14 over a three and the uh, 12 over a five and the 13 over a four, the favorites were all yes that there would be upsets, and indeed they all occurred. Yes, they sure did occur. Uh, Victor, I know you got a question you want to run by Andy as well. I thought Andy had a great point first off on the fact that there are no games in this Sweet 16 round in which any team is favored by seven or more points. Definitely a sign of the competitiveness of this 16-team field. But, Andy, I want to get your thoughts on the NIT tournament, if I can. You know, on Selection Sunday, there was a handful of teams, five, six, seven, that felt they got kind of screwed over by the tournament selection committee in not making the big dance. And as a result... Uh, it's turned into a pretty good field for the NIT tournament with some big-time programs and named schools. Your thoughts on the NIT thus far? we got BYU and Valparaiso in, a couple of semifinal games being played Wednesday nights. Uh, what, uh, what's your opinion on the NIT tournament thus far? Well, we've seen a number of teams that you would have thought could have been very disappointed and yet put in very good efforts. San Diego State comes to mind with what uh, they did in their first couple of tournament games. Now, on Wednesday night, they host uh, Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech, very impressive the other night in winning at South Carolina and validating just how strong the uh, ACC has been. And uh, We can go back for a moment and take a look at at the Syracuse issue because that's an interesting situation. But as far as the NIT goes, the the success of the ACC has carried over to Georgia Tech, where they're a five-point underdog and drawing some support in their contest Wednesday night against San Diego State. Florida, another team from a power conference, the SEC, which didn't have the greatest of success, uh, they've been able to win all their games, and because of uh, of arena uh, renovations, Florida's had to play all their games on the road, and they've been impressive. George Washington, who will be hosting Florida in that Wednesday night NIT game, uh, they've been very impressive, knocking off Monmouth the other night, the team that initially showed that they were over the uh, the snub, but then just ran into a very hot George Washington team, itself a bubble team. So, yes, the quality of the field in the NIT was as strong as it's been ever because of the teams that were snubbed uh, from the NCAA tournament. And the issue with Syracuse, a lot of people were criticizing what Syracuse uh, uh, was doing in the field. Now, I'm not going to re- uh, read all that much into their performances because they did beat a couple of teams that uh, Dayton was flawed, and of course they didn't have to face Michigan State. However, bad news going 
going forward for the mid-majors may be that the selection committee can take a look at what Syracuse did this past weekend and deny another mid-major bid by pointing yeah. to the fact that, look, we had a medium team from the uh, from a major conference go very deep into the tournament, and that justifies our position. And you can thank the ACC for their 12-1 and straight-up record for that potential uh, flaw going forward. And that's not even to mention, Andy, the fact that Louisville – from the ACC is not even in the tournament here. Right. Are they allowed to play? They could yeah. have had maybe seven teams. Who knows? I mean, it's argumentative, but you know, the fact is that's how strong the ACC actually ended up being by season's end here. And uh, Andy, before I let you go here, once again, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you of a game that you might like on the, either the, uh, either of the sweet 16 games, either Thursday or Friday moving forward here. And once again, if you would let our listeners know how they can get in touch with you, Andy Esco from the logical approach. I'm going to take a look at the game Thursday night in the South region between Miami, Florida, and Villanova. Villanova pretty much a four, four-and-a-half point favorite in that contest. We haven't seen a heck of a lot of movement, although we're starting to see more fours than four-and-a-half show up. And I like what I've seen out of this Miami-Florida uh, team. They uh, uh, showed a great deal of composure, blowing that big lead against Wichita State in what was a very difficult spot for Wichita State. The committee really made some errors in judgment in making them play that early game after playing just 36 hours earlier. But to Miami's credit, they got out to that big lead. They saw Wichita State come back, and Wichita, and of course, then Miami won the end game and ended up winning and covering and advancing to the Sweet 16. They have that ACC pedigree where they played extremely well right up there near the top of the standings virtually all year in the ACC. Villanova, a little bit of the pressure off the Wildcats now that they've made it past the first weekend, something they hadn't done since 2009. I expect this game to go down to the wire. Would not at all be surprised with a uh, Miami upset and uh, potential play probably against Kansas in the regional finals for the right to go to the final four. Victor, we have to love that being down here in South Florida. Right on. Andy, Andy, <laughs> Andy on our Hurricanes here, Jim Laranega, not a bad basketball coach ever to have on your side when you're ordering up a ticket. He's been there, done that before. Andy Isco likes the Miami Hurricanes over Villanova for his complimentary play on the show this week. And Andy, once again, if I, if I could, let our listeners know how they can get in touch with you at uh, Andy Esco at The Logical Approach. You can also visit Andy online at his website at thelogicalapproach.com. Yeah, thelogicalapproach.com. We've got daily matchups uh, with some uh, unique statistics up there now as far as the uh, not just the NCAA tournament, but all the postseason college tournaments, including the Vegas 16, which is now the Vegas 8, which gets underway next Monday, and there will be an interesting tournament from the perspective of it will involve eight teams all playing in Las Vegas, but none of whom will have played in more than two weeks. We visit with our good friend Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com. Andy, thanks again for jumping on the show on our special edition Sweet 16 show. We'll look forward to visiting with you weekly when the 2016 football season rolls around in September. We're going to blink, and before you know it, it's going to be here. Absolutely right, gentlemen. Enjoy the uh, what's already been a fantastic tournament. Let's hope for some more great action, winning action, as the tournament winds down. Thank you, Andy. Best of luck to you and yours. We visited with Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com. And with it, it's time for our favorite segment of the show, our awesome Angle of the Week. And now, the moment you've been waiting for. From the hot South Florida sun, it's Mark Lawrence with his awesome Angle of the Week. All right, let's get to it, guys, our awesome Angle of the Week. I'll share this with you along with our complimentary plays from Victor King and yours truly, Mark Lawrence. Also, big news about the Playbook NBA Basketball Newsletter on this final segment here, our awesome Angle of the Week. We call it 16-pound sledgehammer, and it comes directly, once again, from the Sweet 16 Tournament Guide as you look to play on any NCAA tourney team in the Elite Eight round if they upset a number one seed as an underdog in the Sweet 16 round. We do that because these teams are 13-0 against the spread since 1996. Mark it down, anybody in the Sweet 16 round that beats a number one seed and goes to the Elite Eight round, 13-0 against the spread. Look to play on those teams in the Elite Eight round. And Victor, I'm going to hand it off to you. Let our listeners know what you've got on tap at King Creole Sports this weekend. Perhaps a complimentary play if you want to share one with our listeners. And also, big news on the Playbook NBA Basketball Newsletter, if you would. Sure thing, Mark. we got a big one in the NCAA Tournament on Friday. It's going to be our services five-star tournament game of the year. A game on Friday night, and it'll be up at playbook.com sometime on Thursday 
for a complimentary play, Mark, we're going to go into the NBA, a game being played on Saturday night. I'm anticipating an over-under line of somewhere in the 204 to 206 range. And we're going to be going under the total as the Cleveland Cavaliers head up to the Big Apple to take on the New York Knicks. And we're going to be going under the total in that particular game. You know, when Cleveland goes on the road and they play these less than 400 teams, they take their foot off the gas. They sit their starters in the second half. The Cavs are probably going to be a double-digit road favorite in this particular game. And we like the game under the total. You know, when Kurt Rambis uh, started coaching the Knicks here, what he's been coaching now for, I believe, about six weeks, the New York Knicks, New York has turned from a fast team to an extremely slow half-court team under Kurt Rambis. New York is now the third slowest team in the league in terms of pace of play, and it's resulted in a lot more Nick unders than overs. The Cavaliers 1-11 over-under away in a 1-1 rest situation versus non-division conference opponents. They've gone 1-10 over-under after playing the Brooklyn Nets, who they play this coming Thursday. And also the Cavaliers... One and seven over under Saturday favorites of six or more points. New York Knicks, 0 and four over under versus 666 or greater non division conference opponents against these elite teams from the East, they, uh, from the East Conference. They tend to go under the total at a high percentage. Also, one and five for New York over under in a 1 1 rest situation. And the clincher, the last six meetings between these two teams, New York and Cleveland, have all gone under the total. So, Mark, we're going under Cleveland, New York, on Saturday night as our free play of the week. And if we got a little bit of time, I got an interesting uh, fade system that we may want to talk about in terms of the NBA over the last couple of weeks of the year. Their NBA last fade game system, if you would, Victor, uh, I'd like to share that with our listeners, if you would. I'll run by my complimentary play on the show, and you could share that fade system because I know our listeners would love to hear just that. My complimentary play on the show is also in concurrence with Andy Isco from The Logical Approach. I, too, like the Miami of Florida Hurricanes in their battle with Villanova. We think Miami has the makeup of a team that could make it well to the final four matchups. We also see Jay Wright from Villanova, a struggling head coach, uh, his basketball teams are just two and four straight up and one and five against the spread against ACC opponents. I think that all comes into play in this basketball game. I'll play Miami plus the points on the show this week. And once again, I want to remind our listeners about the NCAA basketball Sweet 16 tournament guide. Get it now online at playbook.com. Also at playbook.com will be the final two issues of the basketball NBA newsletter where you can find Victor King's power ratings, and day-to-day trends. And, Victor, mention that, if you would, in our wrap-up and your power fade you've got for the NBA the final two weeks of the season. Well, first off, uh, a really quick over-under review in pro basketball. The best home over team this year by far is the New Orleans Pelicans. In their 34 home games this year, 26-8 and eight over under at home for New Orleans. Next best home over team, the Denver Nuggets, 22-11. and 11. Best home under team, the top two teams in the league. This is kind of surprising. L.A. Lakers, 11-23 at home this year. L.A. Clippers, 11-22 at home this year. Basically, if you go under the total in any game at the Staples Center this season, you've won at a 67% percentage this year. Kind of interesting. Best road over teams in the NBA this year. Minnesota 23 and 11. Houston at 23 and 13. And the best road under teams. Now here's your flip-flop. New Orleans, best home over team, but best road under team. Quite simply, you play Pelican games over at home. You play Pelican unders on the road. 11 and 23, New Orleans. And the next best road under team are Miami Heat at 12, 20, and 1 over under on the season. Now, Mark, one of my favorite reality shows is Shark Tank. Shark Tank on CNBC, Shark Tank on ABC. Uh, I think it's a great, great story. It's about the American dream. It's about entrepreneurs. It's about inventing. It's about investing. Uh, Mark Cuban and company, a very, very entertaining show in their sixth season right now on ABC. Uh, but watching the show last night got me to thinking about some other tanking, and specifically tanking in the NBA. <laughs> You know, uh, a lot of uh, bettors don't think there's a heck of a lot of value in the last, oh, month or so of the season in the NBA. 
And to those folks, I would say, oh, contraire, there's a really, really good fade the loser system that uh, I dug through in the database last night. And the particulars of the system is, first off, we're going all the way back to 2005. We've got a tremendous sample size here of about 11 seasons. So the specifics in our database are game 60 or greater. And as you know, there's 82 games in a season. So game 60 or greater, we're basically talking about the last third of the season. We're looking to go against less than 400 teams. These are teams that are out of the playoffs. They've got no shot at getting in. Less than 400 teams. We're looking to bring in an opponent who is at least 500 or better on the season. So we are potentially have an opponent here that's either already in the playoffs or is fighting for a playoff berth. So it's basically game 60 or greater, less than 400 teams versus a 500 or greater opponent. The only caveat in our system is we want to play against these less than 400 teams if they're off a win in their last game. We call this the fade, the loser system. It's gone 67 and 114 in this time span of 11 seasons. That's 63% against these fade to loser teams. Less than 400 home teams versus a 500 or greater opponent. If that home team is off a straight-up win in their last game, just fading these teams alone within these certain specific parameters would net you a 63% winning percentage. Already this season, these games have gone 0-5 against the spread. They've done particularly well in non-conference play, going 11-31. and 31. That's 74% against the spread, fading these losing teams. If somehow you can bring in an opponent who's off a straight-up and ATS loss in their last game, these games have gone 16 40 and 1. That's another 72% against the spread. So once again, our ideal situation that you want to look at here in the last few weeks is betting against a less than 400 home team off a win versus a 500 or greater opponent off a loss. And these numbers have been dynamic. It happened again last night. Play against the New Orleans Hornets. Play on the Miami Heat. Miami cover the point spread, excuse me, New Orleans Pelicans. I always get that wrong, but it worked again <laughs> last night as well. So the losing teams, the tanker teams, the teams that who are under 400 on the season that we're looking to play against under, again, certain specific parameters in the Eastern Conference, the Nets, the Knicks, and the Sixers. In the Western Conference, T-Wolves, Kings, the Lakers, and the Suns. Those are the teams that we're looking to play against in the last few weeks of the season. A really quick one down. On Thursday, March 24th, Brooklyn home against Cleveland and New York home against Chicago. Again, if Brooklyn's off a win, uh, New York's off a win, it'll be an ideal situation to fade those particular teams. On Saturday, fade New Orleans home against Toronto, fade New York home against Cleveland. The game that we're using is our under. On Sunday, March 27th, fade Sacramento, home against Dallas. Fade L.A. Lakers, home against Washington. On Tuesday, March 29th, Philadelphia is hosting Charlotte. We're going to look to play against Philadelphia in that game. And finally, on Wednesday, March 30th, three teams, fade Minnesota, home against the Clippers. Fade Sacramento, home against Washington. Fade the Lakers, home against the Miami Heat. Fade these losers. You know, no athlete, Mark, is intentionally tanking games. I understand that. But teams can sometimes get put in a position in which losing can lead to a better draft pick or an impact player, injuries, trades, more playing time to marginal players. Not to mention there's a diamond in the rough out there. You know, everybody wants Big Ben Simmons of LSU. 6'10 freshman, 19.5 points per game, 12 rebounds per game, 5 assists per game. This is a guy that a lot of NBA execs are comparing to a young, you heard me, LeBron James. So let's put ourselves in an advantageous position to lose some games and give ourselves a better shot at a better draft pick. Fade the losers. These are the losers we'll be looking to fade in the last couple of weeks of the season. And again, under certain specific conditions, fading these losers has resulted in a 70% or more ATS winning percentage. 
we'll call it Victor King's Shark Tank theory, baiting these <laughs> losing teams going out in the NBA. And rest assured, in these final two editions of the Playbook NBA Basketball-only newsletter, we'll hit more on this topic inside those last two editions. So you want to pick up your copies to find out more about Victor King's Shark Tank theory in the NBA as we close out the season. And with that, we're going to close out our special edition Sweet 16 show for this season here. Reminding our listeners once again that Victor and I will be back the first week of September for the 2016 National Football League season. For Victor King from King Creole Sports, Andy Isco joining us from Las Vegas from TheLogicalApproach.com and our good friend Jack Reynolds, who we know is listening from above until September. This is Mark Lawrence reminding you to always to remember to bet with your head, not over it, and good luck as always. <laughs>